Good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody doing good? Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, today we're going to be wrapping up our You Asked For It series, and this has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely one that we're going to have to do again down the line at some point. Uh, and so if you want to follow along with us, really the best way to keep with the service is actually to follow on in the YouVersion Bible app. You can go down to the Events tab, find us there, and that's probably the great way to see the verses, the questions, everything's right there. And so throughout this series, there's really been a recurring theme over and over and over and over and over again. And that's that God's word is the authority. God's word is the authority. It's not me. I'm not the authority. Any other pastor is not the authority. Uh, somebody with a platform is not an authority. Uh, somebody with a following, they're not the authority. Uh, God's word is. Our hope is in God's word. Psalm 130 verse 5 says it this way. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. That's, that's what we're putting our hope in today. Uh, that's what we put our hope in in every single one of these services. It's in his word, not what we think, what we think it might be. It's in God's word. And so we are going to finish it up today with y'all's questions. You guys ready for question number one? Let's do it. What is the background of Refuge Church? I have seen other Refuge Churches when looking through uh, the Bible app. Um, uh, there are a lot of refuge churches out there. Uh, it's actually a pretty common theme, uh, especially in the book of Psalms, just in Scripture, that God is our refuge. We are not affiliated uh, with any of them. Uh, it's just a really common name because it's a really common theme in the Bible. Uh, the legal name of Refuge Church, this one right here, is Refuge Church Ministries International Incorporated. That's a mouthful because all the easy ones were already taken, okay? There is a lot of them uh, because uh, it's just a common theme in the Bible, okay? And so uh, we're not affiliated with those, uh, but that is uh, in the Bible, so it seems to be a lot of those. Uh, I'll tell you the, the story, kind of how we got here, kind of the background of how Refuge Church came to be. Um, and actually, if you're following along in the YouVersion Bible app, there's a link there that has a video that kind of hits the highlights of this. Um, I was on staff at a church in Yukon, uh, and then COVID hit. Um, I guess I was really on the leading edge of what would be called the great resignation because uh, just a few weeks into that, uh, I just felt strongly and clearly that Kelsey and I both did that God was telling us that this season was over. It was time for uh, the next thing. Uh, my last day, I believe, was May 1st there. So we had a little bit of COVID time and uh, not leaving in a bad way, just felt like we didn't know what it was, uh, but God was leading us to the next thing. Kind of our Abraham experience, like God told Abraham, go to the land I will send you. He doesn't tell him the land he's sending him to, he just tells him to go. And so that was really kind of what we experienced. And so we, we stepped down there, that's May uh, of 2020. And I just immediately started looking for other ministry positions. Uh, had jobs lined up, California, Florida, St. Louis, Houston. Had great opportunities. I mean, had jobs where I was going to be getting a nice raise, having, like, paid direct reports coming to me. I've never had that. It's always been volunteers, okay? And it was like, I had really great opportunities, and yet I just never felt at peace about, about jumping on any of them. And so uh, just to fill the gap, because I didn't want to rush into something, I wanted to be uh, at the right place, I wanted to be where God wanted me to be. Uh, that was kind of the whole point uh, of staking this leap of faith. We want to do what God wants us to do, not what might make sense uh, here with our human brains, logically or earthly thinking. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And so never felt at peace about them. And so to fill the gap, uh, I started a window cleaning company. It's not a passion of mine, cleaning windows. Ecclesiastical moment, vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless. Get window wet, squeegee window dry. 
Yeah, okay, uh, not a passion of mine. So uh, I did that really um, in the middle of the summer, started doing that and just kind of to, to make ends meet there. And uh, in September of 2020, um, I'm cleaning windows on a house because I say window cleaning company, owner, operator, that means I was doing everything, okay? Uh, I'm cleaning the windows on this house uh, out in Jones, Oklahoma, beautiful backyard, backyard looks like the Shire, has a waterfall, it's very green. Uh, and I'm listening to this podcast and uh, there's a host, and he's asking this church planter up in New York City. He's planting in Hell's. He's planted in Hell's Kitchen, and they recorded uh, this uh, in March. So, like, kind of COVID, just like, what's going on? And so, I'm not hearing it until September, but they recorded this at the end of March. And so, he asked him, "Hey, with COVID, are you thinking about leaving New York City? Because that's what a lot of people were doing. Then they were uh, getting away because you know, COVID and just being really close not necessarily the best thing." Uh, and he said he got that question a lot, uh, and there's two things. He said, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, and I knew right then and there that, it, like, God was just speaking to my heart, like, it is, Logan, you need to go plant a church. Like, uh, I, I've, you know what you want to do. You know where you want to be. I need you to go take this leap for me. It was just very clear to me that I needed to do that. Um, and for the married folks in here... Um, it was cool to have this word from God, but I was like, how do I say that God told me to uh, and tell this to my wife? Uh, and because that, you know, I don't want that to go sideways. And so uh, I finished up that job and, and I'm getting ready to call Kelsey. Um, and really just, I was like, God, I'm all in as soon as you get Kelsey and I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to say anything because I just, I wanted this to be a move of God. I didn't want this to be something that I was forcing, that I was pressing to make this happen. And so, uh, business usual, call Kelsey on my way home. Nothing crazy happens, normal night. Uh, 24 hours later, it's the evening. We're getting ready for bed. Have two boys already in bed at that time. My wife is uh, four or five months pregnant. All right, so we've got, uh, we're just hanging out in the bedroom, and she's expecting. And, um, yeah, I found out we were expecting after I resigned. Uh, so that was not necessarily the best order there. Um, the exact words, uh, this is not in my notes, but we told my dad that we were expecting, and his first words were, you need a job. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And then congratulations, I think. Uh, so um, anyways, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense, all right? I'm cleaning windows. Uh, my wife's four months pregnant. We're just chilling in the bedroom. Like, the kids are already in bed. We're just kind of winding down. And we're, so we're talking about life. But um, Kelsey just looks at me and says, I think God wants us to plan a church. And it was really one of the most, like, I couldn't believe what God was doing and how he had orchestrated this. And I wasn't, like, fishing for it. I mean, we were just talking about life. And um, she just blurted it out. And really, uh, the rest is history uh, since then. So 2020, uh, the rest of that year, we did legal stuff, got incorporated with our mouthful of a legal name, uh, applied for our 501c3, got nonprofit status. Uh, 2021, focused on fundraising and finding a team, and God provided everything that we needed. We launched January of 2022 uh, this year, and that's really the background of Refuge Church. Um, you want more detail, you've got questions about that, I'd strongly encourage you to come to Starting Point after service. We can go into the weeds a little bit there uh, and tell you a little bit more. But that, I think, in a nutshell, is uh, the background of Refuge Church, kind of how we got started, how God birthed this. Um, yeah, question number two. If Paul was struck blind on the road to Damascus, how did he see the road? All right, so this one is... Uh, Kind of one of those like logical, like, okay, he's blind. How did he go the rest of the way? And so I think um, let's just read the, the story. If you're not familiar with uh, Paul, who was Saul, God transformed his life, changed him from Saul to Paul. He went from persecuting Christians to becoming like a super Christian, uh, I guess that's how I would say it. Uh, and here's kind of that moment where uh, God just 
grabbed Saul by the heart and just changed who he was, turned him into Paul. So it's Acts 9, uh, starts in verse 3, goes to verse 8, uh, and it says this in Acts 9, verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, his mission was to go to, like, persecute Christians, to hurt them, to, to just uh, run them through the mud. Uh, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, and Saul replied, who are you, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Verse 8, Saul picked up himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by hand to Damascus. Um, so how did he see the road? Uh, he didn't. <laughs> it says he was blind in that last line there. His companions led him by hand to Damascus. I think this hits on something here that's pretty common uh, in churches, especially if you've grown up in church, um, kind of oral history. Sometimes we don't want to read a passage to a kid, so what do we do? We just explain it. We kind of hit the high notes of it. Uh, and so I think oral history is really good, but what we need to do is to take time to get into the Word and read it for ourselves. There's something that's passed down um, that I think happens, like there's a story of David and Goliath. And when David is gathering some smooth stones to to slay the giant, it's that he grabs uh, five stones. And there's some people who say that's because Goliath had four brothers and David was like, I'm going to get them too. I'm going to be ready. Um, there's really not a strong evidence in Scripture for that. That's just something that people kind of made up and took with it. Uh, that, that, that's because this oral history that somebody said it, it's been passed down and it's said and it's said and it's said, but it's not actually something that's been grounded in the scripture. And so I think that's probably what happened here is that uh, you hear, hey, he was blind and then he went the rest of the way. And some little third graders like, well, how did he go the rest of the way if he wasn't blind? And those things stick. And so uh, that's why we need to get into the word and read it for ourselves because there's sometimes where even if you know the story, uh, getting into it, you might find something new. Next one. Why is Joseph in the nativity sets when he did not impregnate Mary? Was he considered stepdad? Um, he is in the sets. Uh, he did not knock up Mary. Uh, and so, yeah, let's, let's go for this, okay? Uh, he was engaged uh, to Mary. And so there's actually a, a verse in Matthew 1, 19. Uh, Joseph has found out that his betrothed, his uh, fiance, is going to, uh, she's with child, okay? And he's like, I know how that happens, and... I am not the man, okay? So here's what Joseph says. Uh, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Joseph literally finds out that Mary's uh, expecting, and he's like, I know that baby's not mine, so hey, I'm just kind of going to break up. We're going to cancel this thing. We're going to get divorced uh, quietly behind closed doors. It goes on to say that an angel appeared to him and said, hey, I know this is a crazy deal, this really happened. This was of God. Um, and that's a miracle. There's a whole other part of the story there. And so really, if you think about it this way, uh, he wanted to bow out. And God sent an angel and said, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. She's not lying to you. She hasn't betrayed you. And so Jesus was, uh, earthly speaking, he was adopted by Joseph. Uh, he was in the nativity sets because um, although that might not have been his biological child, um, 
that was going to be his child. He was going to raise him up. But also, that was his wife. His wife is with child, whether it's his biologically or not, he's going to be there to support her. He wants to be there for her. And I want you to think about this. Um, Jesus was adopted by an earthly father and brought into a life of seemingly uh, insignificance. Like, born to a small town, carpenter, like there's not, there's not a huge meaning, there's not a huge significance there. Jesus was adopted by an earthly father into a life of insignificance so that we could be adopted by a heavenly father and he gives us meaning and great significance because of what he's done for us. So um, he's in the sets because that was his wife. Uh, Yeah, he was Jesus' bonus dad here on the earth, okay? We'll go with that. Question number four. And I'm going to assume that you are in the building, whoever asked this. I don't know who these are unless you said that's mine, uh, which I've only had a few people do. I don't know who this is. Question number four, are there plans to get your own building? Are there plans to get your own building? Who did it? Who, no. Hey, um, So we got our starting point. If you haven't been to starting point, I'm going to keep pushing it. You need to come and check it out. Uh, One of our FAQs and starting point is this exact question. Uh, Here's the deal. Yes, we have plans to get our building. Uh, As soon as God provides the means for us to really pursue that, we are in no rush. Our focus is not on getting a building, but building people up to make an impact in the kingdom. We don't want four walls that we can say are ours. We want a community of believers who can say where Jesus is and we're going to make an impact in our community. And one of the ways uh, we get to build people up is through uh, community groups, just through groups. Our last group series was uh, by a guy named Bob Goff. He's a little wild uh, if you were there, any of those groups. Uh, And the series was called Dream Big. Dream Big. It's about dreaming big. And, uh, one week we really, really stressed just the value and the importance of sharing your dreams. Like not just having a dream that you keep to yourself, but actually getting it out there and sharing that dream with other people. And um, we actually had someone in, our, in one of the groups just say, hey, uh, you know, I'm interested in this new position at my school. It'd be kind of a different thing for me. I'm kind of excited. And... Um, Bob Goff, all right, if you don't know who Bob Goff is, he's this old guy who's like, I don't even, I don't know, he's positivity in a bottle, just like shook up and like a ton of energy. Uh, He just wants you to go Grand Canyon. He said that, I don't know how many times, go Grand Canyon on your dreams. And so uh, she tells us she wants this new position, is thinking about it. I don't know if I want to apply. Do I want to change? I don't know. And we're like, hey, just go Grand Canyon. Try for it. And if you don't want it, say, you know what, I've thought about it, I don't want it. But if you do want it, Man, that's awesome. She was encouraged by this whole group to go Grand Canyon on it. Did you know you need people who are going to encourage you to go for it, to go for your dreams, to go for those God-sized ambitions? You need those people around you who are going to encourage you and who are going to pray for you. Uh, May 25th, uh, we got the text. She got the new job. All right? That's pretty exciting. If you saw the series, isn't that crazy? All right, kind of like my Bob Goff voice. That wasn't great. Um, He said that so much in the series. But hey, uh, God answered our prayers, uh, and we wouldn't have even known to pray for it unless she shared her big dream. And what might sound like a big dream to her might sound small to you. It might sound big to other people. It's not about comparing our dreams to others. It's about doing what God has called us to do and our dreams that he has put into us. Go Grand Canyon on your dreams. We are in no rush to get a building. That is not our focus. Our focus is building people up. 
But can I tell you my big dream for a permanent location? Can I tell you my big dream? Like, I'm, I'm, I've been preaching this, like, in the groups. I'm trying to live it out. Uh, at 44th and Mustang, there are several tracks currently available for sale. Track one is about half a million dollars. Tracks three and four are 1.7 million dollars. Track five, not available yet. We actually have a member whose back door, their back house, would line up with track five. They could put in a gate and walk out their back gate and be at church. All right, it'd be awesome. Selling point. Hey, right there. That's my, that's my big dream. I would love to buy one of these plots, multiple of these plots, uh, and start planning for the future home of refuge. Like, I was talking to a guy I played basketball with, and I was like, wouldn't it be tight if we could just put up a sign right there and say, future home of refuge church? Like, that makes me smile just thinking about it. That gives me pumped. Um, and here's the deal. That's not to say that getting a building is the promised land, like that we've arrived, but that's a testament to God's faithfulness. Uh, we are not starting a building campaign right now. Nothing like that. I'm just dreaming with y'all. Can you dream with me? Um, because that, that, that's a testimony to God's faithfulness. Even the ability to just dream about that, we're not even six months in. That's pretty stinking awesome. Can we give God like a, a round of applause? Like, like, the numbers for a church plant aren't necessarily that great. Like, did you know that to be able to even have those dreams not even six months is, like, crazy? Like, there's some at six months, it's like, I hope we make payroll. I hope we have enough money. I hope that rent check clears. And God has been so faithful to us. And it's not, it's not me. It's not our team. It's just the goodness of God. I truly, fully believe that. And my God is good, and he could do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So for me to dream big... I think that's it right there. Right there as people come into this community, come out of this community right there at Yukon and Mustang, kind of where they meet. That's me going Grand Canyon on this question. I think that would be amazing. But I want to end this question the same place I started. We're in no rush to leave Riverwood. Our focus is not on a building. Our focus is on building up people. God is just as faithful at a portable church as he is at an established church. And we'll focus on securing a permanent location when God provides the means to pursue that. Can I get an amen? I got a lot of amens when I threw that up there, but not so many when I said we weren't in a rush. I don't know what's going on there, guys. Come on. That's me going Grand Canyon with y'all. I think God could do it. I don't know how. I don't know how God could start a church, but he's been faithful every step of the way. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Question number five. At the Last Supper, Jesus told the disciples that they would sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Does this mean when he returns on Judgment Day? Uh, so it's talking about basically one verse right at the end, uh, and it says this in all the Gospels. Uh, it's recorded this passage here, but it only says about judging the 12 excuse me, judging the 12 tribes at this specific spot. So it's in Luke 22, verses 27 through 30. We're going to read that right here. It says, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as the one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father granted me a kingdom, 
I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, Before I dive into kind of some of the the practical there of getting at this question, uh, the focus of this passage is not on... The focus is on humility and following Jesus because following Jesus is worth it. That's what he kind of laid out there. Like staying with me in this time of trial is worth it. Uh, and if we go on to read the next two verses there, it's a 31 and 32. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I, Jesus, have pleaded in prayer for you. Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. In both of those passages, Jesus kind of hit them with the bad news, and then he hit them with the good news. So uh, the bad news in that first part, hey, you're going to have times of trials. Uh, uh, The second part there, Peter, you're going to actually deny me. And then he hits them with the good news, like, hey, you're going to be sitting at my table with me. You're going to have the right to eat and drink with me. You're going to be judging the 12 tribes. Peter, guess what? You're going to repent, and I've been praying for you, and you are going to come back, and you are going to strengthen your brothers. The focus is on enduring because Jesus, because with Jesus, enduring for Jesus, it will be worth it. The focus is not on the how you're going to get there. It's on the what. It's, not, it's focus is on the how, not on the what. Focus is on how Jesus is going to come through for you, not what comes from him by coming to him. Right? It's that he's going to be worth it. So to answer this question, uh, does this mean when he returns on judgment day? Uh, there's kind of two practical views here. And again, I want to make sure the focus is not on the, what they get to do, but on how Jesus has brought them through the hard times. The first view kind of says figuratively that the apostles uh, did this when they started the early church. Uh, and the second view would be a more literal view, uh, which says that they would judge the 12 tribes at Jesus' return. I tend to land in that last camp, but to be honest with you, I don't really understand what it looks like for the 12 tribes to be judged by the disciples. Uh, But I know this, that they will be grateful that they were able to endure the times of trials they had for Jesus. You're saying this is the reward for actually suffering for Christ, for going through this hard thing, you get these rewards. Jesus, following Jesus is going to be worth it. That's our takeaway. It's going to be worth it to endure, to have those times of trials. Question six. Will God judge those that have never heard of him? Will God judge those that have never heard of him? Starting point for this question, uh, our goal is to find our answer in Scripture, and our job when we find that. is to answer questions uh, about our faith. All right? That's what my job is right now. Uh, but there's a right way to do it. We have to communicate the truth in love. If you're missing one component of that, it's, it's out of order. It's not going to work. So the truth without love, that's surgery, but no anesthetic. All right? It might get you right, but it's going to hurt. Uh, love without any truth, that's a lollipop to fix a cavity. All right? One is unnecessarily painful. And the other might feel good, but it's just going to get worse. It's not going to help. We need to have both the truth and love. Will God judge those who have never heard him? Scripture is actually very clear on this. Jesus is the only way to heaven. In Jesus' own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
Jesus is exclusive. He will judge those who have never heard from him, never heard of him. And I think, uh, I know this is probably like a philosophical question, but I think we can get so caught up in finding the right answer and, and thinking about this. There are people who haven't heard Jesus, and, and they're going to be judged. There's people that are around you and around me who don't know him. And here's how Jesus felt about those that he saw. It's in Luke 19, verse 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you, that all of you people would understand the way to peace. The way to peace. Those people that he didn't know, that, that didn't know him, rather, they mattered to him. That's why we need missionaries. That's why it's not about us. That's why we need to multiply churches. It's not about this church. It's about the capital C church. That's why we need to live lives on mission. That's why we put uh, money, we put effort, we put time into seeing people coming to know Jesus here and around the world. Because you matter to Jesus. Like church, you are plan A. God wants to use you to make an impact for the kingdom. He wants you to reach the people who haven't been reached. And there's people in our lives, in our communities, that you rub shoulders with every day who don't know Jesus. You're plan A. And there's no plan B. You're it. You're it. How are you doing with that? Is your life aligned with that truth that Jesus is the only way? Because I've got to be honest with you, it should break our hearts to think about those who don't know Jesus. It broke Jesus' heart because those people, they mattered to him. That means they should matter to us. Guys, we have to be living life on mission. We have to share our faith with those around us. That matters. It's important. Because without Jesus, it's forever separated from God. Forever. I hope you hear my, my heart here. I don't say this to deflate you, but I want it to do exactly the opposite. I want you to realize you are God's plan A. He wants to use you to make an impact. That should fill your sails up. That should make you want to go all in and have a strong gospel witness, to go Grand Canyon on it, all right? You can do this. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need to be successful in a gospel conversation. It's not on us to make the conversion. It's not on us to change people's lives. No, God changes lives. The Holy Spirit draws people, right? That's how people change. It's our job to be faithful, to share, to invite, to ask. We can do that. You're God's plan A. There's no plan B. He's given you everything you need to do it. Will God judge those who have never heard of him? Yes. And church, that's why we have to live on mission. That's why what you do matters make an impact for the gospel. You can do it. You have everything you need. God, Jesus, that's all we need. Last question of the series. Last one. After I read this, I'm throwing this, all right? No, hey. No, Kelsey told me not to do that, all right? Um, my wife is my Holy Spirit sometimes, okay? Um, but hey, how do I know if what I am hearing is from God or just me? Would God tell me to say no to a seemingly good situation? How do I know if what I'm hearing is from 
God or for me? Would God tell me to say no to a seemingly good situation? Uh, I love this question because uh, it starts from a place of challenging the motives, not challenging the motives of someone else, but challenging the motives of self, me. I don't know if you know this, the person who talks you into the worst decisions is you, right? You're the one who talked you into all your bad decisions. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says this, uh, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We're deceitful. We uh, deceit ourselves. We're, we confuse ourselves. So I think this question comes from a great spot. How do I know if it's me? How do I know if it's God? Uh, kind of the first thing, and this should not come as a shock to you guys throughout the series, God won't tell you to do something that's contrary to Scripture. All right? So if, if you're feeling like it's something that's outside of Scripture, uh, guess what? That's you. That ain't God. But I think this question goes a, a little bit deeper than that. Because a seemingly good thing, that's probably not, uh, is this a right or a wrong thing? Uh, it's probably, is this a good thing uh, or is this a great thing? Is this a God thing or a me thing? It's not, it's not is it right or wrong, is it, which is the best path for me to take? So the first thing is that, is that God's not going to tell you to do anything that's outside of Scripture. The second thing I'd tell you to do is uh, to seek godly counsel. We weren't meant to live lives alone. We need to have people we can go to and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. It seems like a good deal. I'm just feeling a little hesitant. Something in my spirit's just not right. I don't know. I feel like God's maybe telling me to wait for something else, to not pursue that. And so we need those people around us. Proverbs 11, 14 says this, there is safety in having many advisors. Who's advising you on your life? Making sure you're following down the path that God has laid for you. Not the path you want, the path that you want to lay down, the path that God has. Is in Scripture, seek godly counsel, uh, pray and ask God for clarity. Ask God for discernment. Ask God for direction. Uh, there's a verse I pray every day, Psalm 5:8. Lead me on the right path, O Lord. Make your way plain for me to follow. And then the last thing is this: trust God with the results. Just trust Him with the results. I have a a coach. His name is Bob, and uh, in summer of 2020, all right. I, left this position and didn't have anything lined up. And it's the summer and uh, he just asked me, do you have any second thoughts? Because I was kind of sharing to him how some of these opportunities had dried up. I didn't feel at peace about him. Just, I didn't know what was next. And he was like, well, do you have any regrets about, about leaving, about, about stepping down? And it was, no. <laughs> I have a pregnant wife. I'm not making any money. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but no. I don't have any regrets. Because the things that we did weren't easy. They were actually really, really hard. But I was confident that God was telling me, God was telling Kelsey, strongly and clearly, this season is over. It's time for the next thing. That was in the summer, right? It wasn't until September, about almost to the end of September, that we got to go get this call to plant a church. And um, there's some in-between times there where it's like, God, why did you tell me no? Why did you lead me to this path? I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Why am I here? I did everything right. I, I, I was in your word. I was seeking counsel. I was praying, asking for encouragement and discernment. And you just got to trust God with the results. We want a microwave. God's like a crock pot. 
He's going to get there. It just isn't always the fastest way. Trust him with the results. The thing that I kind of want to remember here is that uh, God's not telling you no to withhold good from you. Like this seemingly good thing that God might be telling you no to. Uh, He's not trying to withhold good from you. God actually wants good for you. He wants it for you. So for him to say no to this seemingly good situation, it isn't him saying no to good things, but maybe he's actually saving you from some pain that you would experience if you went down that road. Or maybe he's saying, hey, that is a good thing, but you know what? If you'll just wait, I've got this thing that's even better over here. And you won't be able to say yes to this if you say yes to this. God wants good for you. It even says in Scripture that God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. Do you believe that? That he's prepared things in advance for you to do? Do you believe that God wants good for you? There's probably some in this room who, life's been hard, and you struggle to believe that. Struggle to believe that God wants good for you. That God has good plans for you. And what I want to do is just, would, would you guys just do this with me? Um, this is not something we normally do, but would you just lay your hands out like this, just with your palms up on your legs, whatever's comfortable, just put your hands out, palms up. And then close your eyes. It's just a posture of surrender. Now do this with me. Take a deep breath and don't rush it. Just Would you say this out loud with me? God, I trust you. Say it with me. God, I trust you. Just keep those hearts uh, open. Keep those eyes closed. Just that posture of surrender. And just, just listen to me for just a second. God wants good for you. You can believe that. You can take it to the bank. He wants good for you. The number one thing God wants from you is your heart. For everyone who can hear my voice, God wants your heart. The question is, does he have it? With our eyes still closed, is is there anybody here who would just be honest enough to say, God doesn't have my heart, that that I never accepted Jesus as my Savior? If that's you, would you you pray this prayer with me? There's nothing special about it. It's just just about our heart posture and just saying, God, I surrender. If that's you, just pray this with me. God, forgive me of my failures. I trust you. I put my faith in Jesus. I give you all of my heart. Help me to follow you. Help me to follow you closely for all the days of my life. Amen. If that was you, if you prayed that for the first time today, would you let us know? Would you fill out a connection card? Just grab me or grab Kelsey, grab Joe. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. If that's not you, maybe you're here and, and, and you know Jesus. He saved you. But if you'll be honest, you say, I'm not giving God all of my heart. You love Jesus, but there's just some parts that I, I want to keep to myself. Maybe there's some fear about what might happen if I, if I turned over this area, if I turned over uh, how I spend my time, if I turned over uh, how I, what I consume online, if I turned over my finances, if I turned over whatever. There's these things that we haven't given over to, 
I know it can be scary, but I promise you, he wants good for you. You can trust Jesus with all of your heart. As we continue with this response time, we're going to sing one last song. And, and as we sing, I want you to just give it over to God. And I want you to think about one thing, reflect. How much of my heart, we're looking at self, we're not looking at anybody else. How much of my heart does Jesus really have? How much is my life shaped by him? Or am I more shaped by the things that I consume online? And here's the deal. He won't be mad or upset with you if you come to him and say, God, I want to give it all to you. He's not going to begrudgingly take you in. He loves you. He just wants to be with you. He wants the most good for you. Let him love all your heart. Give it to him. He's there. Reflect on that. How much of my heart does Jesus have as we stand and sing this last song?